Matthew 27, beginning at verse number 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. A door is open, but there are many adversaries before I can get through it. For the next little bit, I'm going to give you what I feel God has given me. I'm going to title this morning's message, Beyond the Door. Beyond the Door. If you're going to help me preach by saying amen at least once, you may be seated. Come on. I should, I'm going to have to change that to at least twice because everybody gets it all out of the way at the beginning. Beyond the Door. Doors can be funny things. Have you ever seen the comic? I, it was out, it was from the far side, and it has the young man and it's Melville School for the Gifted, and the door sign says pull, and he's pushing. Every once in a while, I've, I've went to restaurants for the Jack, and it tells me that to not even, Bellachinos, I think that's how you say it over there, it tells you not to use this door. There are two doors, they're glass, and right there in bold print it says Please use other door. And I have walked straight in trying to open that door and just smashed. I don't like doors that aren't open. I like to be able to go through. I, there's something funny about videos, and, and I get caught in it whenever someone sends me a video of just, it's a compilation video of just people walking into doors that didn't open. I, just, I will sit there and I will laugh for five minutes straight because I, I've seen the ones to where they're running and they just hit the door and then they just fall down because they were ready to get out of there. Sometimes it's criminals and, and all of a sudden the door just didn't open for them and they get caught and it's just like, you know, you get that womp womp. You know, they, they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing and then it's the other person that they were just carrying their bag of groceries and they didn't hit the right spot on the sensor and the door didn't open and they just lose all of their groceries out there but every once in a while when the door does open there's still a fight to get to the other side have you ever opened the door and it's extremely windy and you try to get outside you ever open this door out here when the wind was whipping like it whips and just every once in a while it just it catches that door and it's going to pull you on through if you're not careful. And so there, there are things that we have to be aware of with doors. Nowadays we have to wonder which bathroom door people are going to go through because apparently you can just pick and choose whatever bathroom door you want to go in. Doors are labeled so that you know where you're going. 
That's one of the biggest things that they tell you whenever you're, you're designing a building, a church. It doesn't matter what it is. Have everything labeled so people feel comfortable knowing where to go. Because we don't like men. We don't like to stop and ask directions. We're, we're not going to do it while we're driving a car. We're definitely not going to do it whenever we're walking, you know, in, in well, nobody goes to the mall anymore. But I, I used to go and I would have to, I wouldn't ask anybody where the store was. I would go and I would hunt until I found not the store, the kiosk. So it would tell me, you are here. And then I would have to look and then I would have to find and, and you'd do all the, the compass work and, and divide by seven. And then you would finally find out where the store was at because you could know because it was labeled doors they can be an entrance or they can be an exit there have been times in my own life and lives of others that they walked through a door because it was open but the timing was not complete yet and so the other door for them to walk through was not open yet and so they were simply waiting in the hallway we were at a hotel in downtown St. Louis, and we were staying. Uh, we had traveled, and, and, and we were staying on one of the higher floors. And, and there, I wasn't going to walk down 40 flights of steps or whatever it was. I mean, you know, goodness gracious. There's, that's what elevators are for. 15, 20 minutes later, we'll still, we're still sitting there because those doors just would not open. Because someone was down lower than us, and they decided, oh, we're just going to stick something in the door so that it will not go anywhere. And so we're, we're late for where we're going because a door didn't open, but when the door does open and then you're stuck in the hallway, sometimes getting beyond the door is a feat in itself, but then waiting for the door to open can be as testing as it is to get through the door. This morning, we are going to go beyond the door. We're going to go beyond everything that has warred against. We're going to go beyond because God has set a door of opportunity before each and every one of us. He set a door of opportunity for revival. He set a door of opportunity for miracle signs and wonders. Everything we have need of is just beyond the door. The tabernacle in the wilderness was a portable place of worship. It's where God would, would come down and He would actually have visitation with His people or His chosen one. The high priest would come in. And it's, it's the place of worship that He commanded the Israelites to build after He had rescued them from slavery and they were wandering in the wilderness. He, 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 he told them to build this tabernacle. It was an elaborate, for lack of a better word, it was an elaborate tent. It was portable. They could pick it up and they could move it. The tabernacle was custom designed by God Himself. He gave precise instructions on its construction to Moses. Yesterday I'm building some closets at the house because whoever installed the closet shelving systems in our house decided not to put things in studs but to put them six inches away from the stud. So we have had accidents happen and Kim had been on the phone and, and all of a sudden I hear this huge crash upstairs and I come out, I come running upstairs and she's just pointing at the room over there where we had kind of just stuck a bunch of clothes and I go in there and it's got the door all pushed out because 
our clothes decided, hey, that little bitty like inch anchor that's made out of complete plastic, that's not going to hold all of your clothes. And so I've went through and I've taken all of those things out and I've, I've begun to build closets, shelving. I'm putting things together and I'm building this little, uh, a little shelf part to go inside of the closet that I'm going to be using. And Kim asked me this question. How do you know what you're doing? Did someone tell you? Did you look it up? And I just looked at her. I said, I just know. It was not a grand design. I've just built a few of them before. And so it's just something that you know. But the temple was not something that you could just go and wing it. No, he, he had given Moses specific instructions on how big and how long and, and everything that it was supposed to be made of. It was, it was designed by God himself. Acts 7 and 44 says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the, in the wilderness. And as he appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make Make it according to the fashion that he had seen. God said, I want it just like I told you. Every once in a while, we think we can change the plan. We think we can change what God has spoken to us. I want you to understand this morning, the plan has not changed. Just because times have changed, people's attitudes have changed, the plan has not changed. What it took for salvation for your grandmother and grandfather, it's going to take for you. And what it takes for you, it's going to take for your children and their children. Everything is still the same. We may have different methods, we may use different things, but yet the plan is still the same the same and if we want to be a part of the body of Christ the plan has not changed the most sacred place in the tabernacle the holy of holies the most holy place was 15 by 15 square it it housed the ark of the covenant that contained the stone tablets in which God had written the ten commandments if you go east from the most holy place, it was, it was the tabernacle's holy place. And it had the same measurements as the holy of holies, except it was twice as long. So it was 15 feet wide and 30 feet long. The holy place, it, it housed the altar of incense, the lampstand, and the table of showbread. Together, the tabernacle, it had the, the most holy place and the holy of holies. And together, it was 15 feet wide and 45 feet long. Not a very big place. Surrounding the tabernacle was its outer courtyard. It measured 75 feet wide and 150 feet long. And it was enclosed by a fence. All of that stuff that you see right there. I could have just said look behind me and it just went ahead. But I, I like giving numbers. Makes me feel like I'm doing something. Located inside the outer courtyard and in face the tabernacle's entrance was the altar for burnt offerings. It took over 8,000 men to carry and move the tabernacle. If you use these numbers I'm about to give you, it's 8,580 men were used to carry this tabernacle. 2,750 Kohathites, 2,630 Gershonites, 3,200 Mirrorites. They served as the moving crew. Talk about two men in a truck. 8,500 men and a lot of sandals. It was their job to move the tabernacle. It had no windows. The only light was from within. And there were three entrances into the tabernacle. You had the gate to the outer court. 
Exodus 27, 16 through 19. And for the gate of the court shall be hanging of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And their pillars shall be four and their sockets four. And the pillars round about the court shall be filleted with silver. The, the hooks shall be of silver and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits and the breadth fifty everywhere. And of heights five cubits and fine twine linen and their sockets of brass. All the vessels of the tower tabernacle in the service thereof and all the pins thereof and all the pins of the court shall be brass there's a plan there's a plan that he has for everything we go from there to the door of the holy place in Exodus 26, 36 and 37 and thou shalt make a hanging door for of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework and thou shalt make the hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them but the veil to the holy of holies you're going to make it of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen, and cunning work. With cherubim shall it be made, and thou shalt hang it on those four pillars that are overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver, and thou shalt hang the veil under the under that, and thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and the veil shall divide you between the holy place and the most holy place. Although... The doors or the veils were beautiful to the eye. They were not merely entrances. They were meant so that you could go from one place to the next. They were to distinguish where you were in your walk. And you could start on the outside where it was so much bigger. And then you would go into the next that it was a little bit smaller. Until finally you're in a 15 by 15 square. And it's all according to plan. The curtain separated people from the outer court of the tabernacle. They could only enter when it was brought. They brought a sacrifice to the gate as an offering of God on the bronze altar. The curtain separated them from the holy place. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what it takes to push through to get into the next place with God. What it takes to get through and beyond the door. Because it's not just a door like you go into Walmart and they open automatically for you. No, these doors were heavy. These doors, it is said that, that they were, that the length of them was 15 feet. It was 60 feet long, 30 feet high, and it was 4 inches thick. It compromised of 72 squares, and they were all sewn together. It was the barrier between the glory of God and men. They said, the traditions say, that it took over 300 men just to carry the tabernacle, just to, to place the veil into place. And that same tradition says that they could put a horse on one side and a horse on the other, and they would try to tear, and the strength of the veil would not be compromised. This morning, 
I want us to understand simply this. Every once in a while you can walk in and you can feel the presence of God. Every once in a while they can hit the right note on the keyboard. They can sing the right song and it feels like all the heavenly doors open and everything's going right. But every once in a while you're going to come, I'll tell you this, nine times out of ten, you're going to come to a place and you're going to get there and there's going to be a heaviness that you're going to have to push through. There's going to be something that you're going to have to fight your way through. You're going to have to push. It's not opening automatically. No. There's something that's separating you. But I want you to understand that on the other side of the veil, on the other side of the door, is everything that you have need of. You might be sitting here saying, I don't have enough strength. Oh, you've got enough strength because God has granted you access. If you'll just push a little more, if you'll just pray a little more, everything you have need of is on the other side of the veil. Everything you have need of is on the other side. You've got to push beyond the door. We come into the house of God and if it's not going our way we'll sit and we'll clap. We'll do our little bit so that we can say we've been at church but all the while there's a God that's waiting on you if they will just push beyond the door. If they will just push beyond the door there's holiness that's waiting on them. There's healing that's waiting on them. There's power that's waiting on them. Come on Bethel. You've got to get to the place that you're not satisfied in the outer court. You're not even satisfied in the holy place. You've got to get so hungry that I'm going to push through 300 oh 300 men have to move it I'm going to push through it may be 4 inches thick it may be heavy but I've got to get into the holy of holies it's prayer prayer is what's going to get us there and I've already told you on Wednesday night prayer is a battle prayer is a fight you're not going to be able to just walk in and just think with your now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep no you're going to have to get to a place that's agony of the soul and you're going to have to say God I'm going to keep praying I'm going to keep praying I don't feel you but I'm going to keep praying I'm going to keep fasting I'm going to keep worshiping why because if you'll keep pushing God God is waiting on the other side. The thing is, God gave access. It was just for those that were willing to push on through. There is not one thing in his kingdom that you cannot have. If we're going to have revival... If we're going to be the body of Christ, somebody's got to get it made up in their mind that I'm not satisfied looking from the outer courts and letting someone else pray their way into the Holy of Holies. I'm not satisfied where I am. I'm hungry. I'm going to push. I know it's going to be weary in well-doing, but I'm going to push on through. It's going to weigh me down. It may even push me to my knees, but I'm going to push through that door. I'm going to feel it on me. I'm going to have a burden but I'm going to get to the other side because why? God is waiting on the other side. My miracle is just beyond the door. But he says to come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Oh but he also says and take my yoke upon you. 
If you look up the original, the original word, that simply means a heavy burden. You may come to him when you're weary. You may fight your way through. But he's also saying, I've also got another burden that I want to place on you. I've got a burden. Oh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you've got to be willing to put it on yourself. You've got to do it. That tells me one thing. I can't pray a burden on you. I can't pray passion into you. You've got to get to the place that you say, put your yoke upon me, God. I'm going to push through the door and I'm going to surrender my will to you. They can't sing good enough. I can't get the most eloquent preacher that's ever been to come and they could preach and it could just open the windows of heaven and it could be something we've never heard and experienced before. But if you're not willing to take the yoke upon you, you're going to walk out of those doors and you won't be changed. There's a weight that comes. I heard a pastor of mine this week Stand behind a pulpit at a prayer meeting, and there was such a burden on him as he began to just tell them and talk to those people and all of a sudden out of nowhere he began to speak in tongues I've never heard him go on just like an extended it felt like it was forever but in the spirit you could feel that there was agony of the soul I'm telling you you may even get to the place where you can't pray and the spirit has to make intercession for the soul but somebody hear me you can make it into the holy of holies the spirit may give you that strength the spirit may give you that encouragement but so that's that's so you can pray another prayer that's so you can do one more time that's so you can lift one more hand that's so you can reach a little further that's so you can bear the weight these doors don't open by themselves oh how many times have I heard people say, I'm just waiting on a door to open. I wonder what would happen if we would stop waiting on doors to open and just start praying, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm not worried about my needs. I'm not worried about what I want. All I know is I want your will to be done. And it's your will that none should perish, but all come to repentance. I'm going to take that yoke upon me. I'm going to take it on me. I'm going to have a burden, a burden for souls, a burden for those that are broken. I'm going to show them the love of God. Not the judgment. Not how holy you think you are. Oh no. Your holiness is as filthy rags. That's why you're staying on the other side of the on the other side of the veil. Because if you get on the other side, he's gonna expose some things in you. He's, he's going to expose them to you, and he's going to let you know, oh, you're not as holy as you think you are. 
you can afford a little bit more prayer. You can afford a little less judgment. You can afford a little more time on your knees. Oh, that's why we're excited with the shout and dance. But there's got to be somebody that's hungry enough, that's got a burden enough, that says, God, show me where I'm lacking. Show me where I need more of you. Oh, let me decrease so that you can increase. God, I'm going to push beyond the door. Standing in the outer courts while your family, while your family is begging and waiting on you. Somebody's got to care enough to go beyond the door. I'm hungry. I need to go beyond the door. One time a year. One time a year. Thank you, Brother Keith. Sorry about the sweat. One time a year, one man got to go beyond the door. And I began to think about that. At about 3 o'clock this morning, I'm sitting at the desk. And I began to think about the weight of the door on him. And then there was something else. The weight of the people that was on him. He had the responsibility to roll their sins back for one more year. Oh, I'm excited to get into the holy place, but oh... I've got all of their weight on me. If I'm not prepared, if I'm not where I need to be, I've got that weight on me. Oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. But oh, the weight. I've already been through all the steps and I'm about to go in but I've got the weight of so many on me. I wonder when is the last time that you could feel the weight of your family on your shoulders. When is the last time that you could feel the weight of a lost world on your shoulders and you're looking and you're saying oh it'd be easier to stay out here in the courts. It'd be easier to stay out here. Let the preacher do it. Let this one and that one do it. Let somebody that's else do it. I'm going to stay out here and wait on them to come. Oh, somebody hear me. You need to get to the place that you go and you say, I'm going to carry the weight and I'm going to press through the door because my family, my friends, this world is waiting on me. men to move it but yet you've got the, the one priest that's trying to make his way in the physical weight the emotional weight the fear of saying if I mess up I'm dead oh but on the other side was a God that had waited for an entire year to have communion with one man. Communion with one man 
this morning, Paul says there is a great door that's been set. I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost because there's a great door and effectual that has been opened unto me. That, that word, it simply means there's a, there's a great door of opportunity and there are many adversaries. It just simply can be translated as there are many that oppose me. I'm telling you, there are going to be things that are going to oppose you when you decide to go to the other side of the door. They're going to be there to fight you. They're going to come against you. It'll be spirits. It'll be depression. It'll be your family. It may even be your friends because anybody that is so comfortable where they are, you're going to make them uncomfortable and you're going to say, I've got to get to the other side of that door. They're going to walk away. But on the other side of that door, there's hope. There's peace. There's direction. There's salvation. There's restoration. Don't leave them back without praying for them. But say, I'm not going to stay. I've got to get beyond the door because everything I have need of is just beyond the door. I remember when it happened to me. Oh, as a young man, I remember when my friends just weren't around anymore. I remember when they weren't there, they just weren't there. Because suddenly the atmospheres that we wanted to be in were completely different. They weren't interested in being at the house of God at night and praying until you get a phone call to make sure that you're all right. But I was so hungry. I was so hungry. I was so broken that I would walk that church and I would cry out to God. I would ask Him to help me. And at many times, it would start off with me praying for myself and then it would develop into where God would let me know that if I would get a burden for someone else and those same friends that weren't around me anymore, I would start calling them out. I would say, God, save Josh. Save Casey. Save Zane. Save my friends, God. You know that I'm the only light and I haven't been what I need to be in front of them I would start praying that God would be with them that he would keep them that he would protect them and before long I'd be in another dimension because not that I'm great not that I'm wonderful but I'd be in a new place that I'd never been before because I was willing to leave the loneliness at the altar I was willing to leave the pain at the altar and said there may be many adversaries there may be those that will oppose but I've got to push because there's a great door of opportunity waiting on me you know what that opportunity was it was revival it was revival it wasn't something that was going to make me Anything great? No, no, no. It was just being a part of something more. It was beginning to see miracles. It was beginning to hear his voice clearly because it's in those lonely places that you're trying to push through the door that suddenly you can hear his voice and it's telling you, I'm just beyond the door. And if you'll press, if you'll push, I am waiting on you. Because believe it or not, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world anyway. 
all of hell could not stop you from going through the door. It's not powerful enough. Because my God has already went and taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We have someone living on the inside of us that is greater. You want to know what that nudge is on the inside of you? That's the Holy Ghost saying, don't be satisfied where you are. I've got so much more for you. Oh, but I've done this. and It doesn't matter. I've got so much more for you. There's another dimension. There's a dimension of intercession that you can break into. There's a dimension of faith that you can enter into. There's a dimension of spiritual gifts that you can enter into. But it's not going to come when you're comfortable staying in the outer courts or even in the holy place where you can feel him. There's got to be somebody that says, I'm going to push through. The veil. Our scripture, Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's hanging on a cross. And I'll find my notes. But he felt the weight. In the garden of Gethsemane. At the base of the Mount of Olives, the place of pressing. He felt the press. He felt the weight of that door on his shoulders. As Judas walked, surrounded by soldiers, walks up to him and betrays him with a kiss. Oh, he felt the weight. He felt the weight when Peter grabbed the sword and Jesus had to reach down, pick up that ear, put it back on the one that was there to take him away to be murdered. He felt the weight as the false accusations, the lies were brought. He felt the weight. As the crowd began to chant, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. He felt the weight as the cat of nine tails ripped into his flesh and tore it apart. He felt the weight as they placed that crown of thorns upon his head. And if history is anything that we can believe of what is told and what I've read, They took a reed and they beat it to where it would pierce even the skull. He felt the weight of the cross as they placed it upon him until that he could not carry it, but yet he still felt the weight. He felt the weight as they nailed him to a tree. He felt the weight as they mocked him. He felt the weight as one on one side continues the mocking and the other on the other side just says, remember me. He 
reach forward in time and says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. But he felt the weight of the repentance of that man that says, we deserve to be here, but he's done nothing. Oh, he felt the weight as they pierced his side with a spear and blood and water came forth. He felt the weight until finally he cried, it is finished. And that, that veil that required 300 men to lift 60 feet long, 30 feet high, and 4 inches thick. That two horses could not pull apart. When he cried, it is finished. It rent from top to bottom. And he said, I'm going to give everybody access to go beyond the door. That's what the weight is that he felt. The high priest felt it when he had the weight of everyone on him. Jesus carried the weight of every sin, of every person under the sound of my voice. He carried that weight even though he sinned not. He carried that weight, but he was looking and he was saying, because I'm going to open a door for all to have salvation. And if I can get beyond this weight, if I can push on through, I'm going to open the door so that whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely that's what it's worth carrying the weight that's why I tell you push through because you're about to open a door and somebody is going to come with you you've got a daughter you've got a son and if you'll push on through and say I need thee they're waiting on you There's a co-worker that's waiting on you to push through and just be willing to say, I need thee, oh, I need thee. The rail has already been rent, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. No man could do it, but God himself says, I'm going to open a door. And beyond the door, Beyond the door is where you found salvation. Beyond the door is where you found forgiveness. Oh my God, I can still. That pastor doesn't think he gripped that pulpit and the spirit was making utterances because he was so broken for the people. And yet. He said that you can go through the other side. There was something about him that was just still telling them to keep on praying. You keep on praying. Don't you give up because times are hard. Don't give up because things aren't the way you want them to be. Keep praying because on the other side of all the pain, on the other side of all the weight, on the other side of all the confusion, fear, and doubt is everything you have need of just beyond the door. We stand.
weight of the world. But he said, I'm going to give them access. See, the first two courts, everyone, there was access. But the Holy of Holies, we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That holy place. We didn't have access. That was a door that was shut to us as Gentiles. You're looking at me and you're saying, oh, but I'm weary. That's okay. That's okay. God knows how weary you are. He knows how confused you are. That's why he's with you on this side of the door too. The same God that's waiting on you on the other side is with you right now. Encouraging you to take another step. Because lo, I am with you always. Go ahead, son. Take another step. Though you walk through the valley in the shadow of death, don't fear any evil, for I am with you. Come on, on the other side of that valley. But even in the middle of the valley, you're going to find the lily of the valley and the bright and the morning star. I know the door looks challenging and it looks frightening and you're wondering, will anybody even understand? Just listen to the still small voice that says, I am with you. The Spirit is making utterances and is trying to get you to the place that you can hear Him, that you can feel Him. Let Him lead you. Oh, I'm going to tarry in Arnold until Pentecost because there's a great door of opportunity that is set before me. I'm going to stay on my knees in Arnold because there's a great door of opportunity. I'm going to find a place in my room and I'm going to have a prayer closet because there's a great door of opportunity. Your family is waiting. Your friends are waiting. Miracles, signs, and wonders are waiting. Just beyond the door. Would you lift your hands right now?
if you are in this house this morning. And you're still on the outside looking in. There's a door that's open unto you. And if you'll allow me that no man can shut. There's forgiveness for you. There's redemption for you. There's salvation for you. Because if you're honest with yourself, the Spirit has been revealing to you already you're not as happy as you can be. If you want the peace that passes all understanding, It's beyond the door. The adversaries could simply be, what will they think? Who cares? When I was so broken that I didn't know what to do, Sister Betty, I didn't care who saw me. Sister Sandy, I wasn't worried because they weren't hurting, I was. When my dad was in the hospital having congestive heart failure, I wasn't worried who was around. I was just going to pray. When we were there, it didn't matter. I was just going to pray. Who cares what they think? But can I let you in on a little secret? Everyone in this house is thinking, I love you. We're not judging. We're saying, I love you. Let me introduce you to a man called Jesus. Let me help you through the door. Let me pray with you. Let me walk with you. Let me talk with you. That's what they're thinking. Because each and every person in this house has been where you are. And they're saying, oh, on the other side of the door, you're going to feel a light as it shines on you. And all of the weight of the darkness is stripped away just beyond the door. And if you're in this house and you're wondering... Where do I belong? Because things are just a little uneasy. And I'm, I was comfortable for a while, but there's been some stuff that's stirring up. And now I'm just, I could feel something in my spirit. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost, friend. And it's saying, I've got something for you on the other side of the door. 
And you want to know what on the uh, on on this side of the door? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Run towards that door. I can't wait to see what God has for you. I can't wait to see him touch you. I can't wait to see him bless you. I can't wait to see him anoint you. Run to the door. I'll fight the devil with you. I'll fight shame with you. I'll fight condemnation with you. I'll fight with you. And we'll get to the other side of the door. Because everything you have need of is just beyond the door. And maybe, just maybe. You've already went past the outer court. You've already been to the altar. You've already had the sacrifice. And you're in that holy place. You've become a little at ease in Zion. The Spirit has come to awaken you and to open your eyes so that you can see the veil has been torn and you have access to Him. Oh, but Brother Greg, I'm not a preacher. You have access to Him. Brother Greg, I'm not this. You have access to Him. Brother Greg, I don't even know how. You have access to Him. I'm taking away every excuse. You have access to Him. But I'm not. You have access to Him. You're not where you need to be. Repent. You have access to Him. You have access because He said, I'm going to make the weight of this door easier. I'm going to grant access to me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I've done my best to cover everyone. So that when I open this altar in just a moment, I've taken away everything that the enemy would try to try to bring to your mind about why this or why that. Because if you're in the Holy of Holies, even in the Holy of Holies, you're going to encounter those times that you have to get through the door. If you would this morning, if you're hungry for something on the other side of the door, would you come around this front? Is there anybody that's hungry for something beyond the door? That's hungry for more than what you've got? Is there anybody that can feel the weight of your family on you? Is there anybody that can feel the weight? Can you feel the burden? Oh, some of you, it's a mantle of power and anointing. And you've not just embraced it yet. If you'll embrace that mantle, if you'll embrace that power, there's something waiting on the other side of that door that's ready and wanting to pour out of you. It'll be like fire shut up in your bones and you cannot stand. Just a look and beg someone to look and see.
see that the veil has been rent and you have access to him. You've got access to him. You've got access.
hands one more time all across this house. 